Hello, my name is Simon Horobin, and I'm a tutor in English at Magdalen College in Oxford. And I'm going to take you on a tour of C.S. Lewis's Oxford. We're going to start our tour on the High Street, at the entrance to Magdalen College. Although this isn't where C.S. Lewis's Oxford career began, it's the place that he's most clearly linked with. The Shadowlands film. That tells the story of his marriage to the writer Joy Davidman, is set in Magdalen. Even though by then Lewis had actually moved to Cambridge. It's at Magdalen that he got his first job, as a tutorial fellow in English, and where he spent nearly thirty years. Entering the college through the gate beside the Great Tower, we find ourselves in St John's Quad. Opposite is the president's lodgings, which is where Lewis was admitted to the Fellowship of Magdalen in 1925, in a ceremony that remains unchanged today. Having sworn to uphold the statutes of the college, Lewis shook hands with all of the assembled fellows, who wished him joy. The choice of word seems significant. Given Lewis's later use of it in his autobiography titled "Surprised by Joy," where it refers to a specific kind of longing that left him unsatisfied, and which ultimately led to his conversion to Christianity, but also given his later relationship with Joy Davidman. Turning into the cloisters. We pass the college chapel on our right, where Lewis attended daily services following his conversion. There's a plaque identifying his usual seat. Coming out of the cloisters, we're confronted by the magnificent Neo-Georgian stone building that overlooks the deer park, known as the New Building, in which Lewis had a set of rooms on the second floor of Staircase Three. The middle of the building, as you face it. It was in those rooms that the Inklings met on a Thursday night, reading extracts from their works in progress. During those meetings, Lewis read aloud from his first work of Christian apologetics, *The Problem of Pain*, and the first of his science fiction trilogy, *Out of the Silent Planet*. It was also here that Lewis converted to theism, as memorably described in *Surprised by Joy*, where he writes, "You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalen, night after night, feeling, whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired." Not to meet. His later conversion from theism to Christianity was encouraged by a conversation with two of his friends and fellow Inklings, J. R. R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson, during an after-dinner stroll around Addison's Walk, one of Lewis's favourite walks, that takes a circular route around the college's water meadow. If we follow that path now along the river, it brings us to Hollywell Ford, where there's a plaque with a poem by Lewis called 
what the bird said early in the year, which is set on Addison's walk. Tracing our steps back to the porter's lodge, we emerge on the high street again, heading west towards the city centre. On our left, we pass the Eastgate Hotel. It was in the bar of this hotel that Lewis and Tolkien would meet for a drink on Monday mornings, reading poetry to each other, swapping gossip, or just indulging in bawdy puns. It was also here that Lewis first met Joy Davidman. Joy had begun writing to Lewis after reading his apologetic works, and then came to England in the hope of meeting him in person. Continuing down the high street brings us past the examination schools, where Lewis lectured to large audiences of eager undergraduates. His hugely popular introductory lectures on medieval and Renaissance literature can be read in the posthumously published book, The Discarded Image. Further along, we come to University College, affectionately known as UNIV, which is where Lewis spent his undergraduate years. Lewis came up to UNIV in Trinity term, the summer term of 1916, an unusual time to begin, since this is traditionally the end of the academic year. But of course, this was not a normal time to start a university career. There were very few students in residence, as most were in action in France. Indeed, Lewis was quickly transferred to Keeble College, which had been requisitioned by the army where he began military training prior to being sent to the Western Front. When he was not busy training, Lewis studied for the university's entrance exams, known as responsions, in Latin, Greek and maths. While his Latin and Greek were up to scratch, Lewis struggled in maths and so received instruction from a tutor at Hartford College. But this didn't stop him failing the exam miserably. It was fortunate for Lewis that the university introduced an exemption for soldiers returning from action, or he may never have become a student at Oxford. Lewis was sent to the Western Front in 1917, where he fought in the Somerset Light Infantry. He was wounded in April 1918 and sent back to England to convalesce. He was finally discharged from hospital and demobilised from the army in December of 1918, returning home to Ireland for Christmas and then back to Oxford in January of 1919 to recommence his studies. Most of Lewis's fellow students were not so lucky. Those who had survived the war, many of them found themselves psychologically unable to return to Oxford. Lewis dealt with the trauma by immersing himself in his studies. His degree was in Literae Humaniores, 
which literally means more humane letters. Essentially, it's the study of the languages, literature, history and philosophy of the classical world. At the end of his first year, Lewis sat the exams known as moderations, and he was awarded a first. At the end of the third year, he sat exams for the final honours school, receiving another first. This achievement is all the more remarkable, given that his lifestyle was not that of a typical undergraduate student. During this time, Lewis was looking after the mother of his army friend, Paddy Moore, who had been killed in action, and her daughter Maureen, leading a peripatetic life, moving between various unsalubrious residences in Headington, a village on the outskirts of the city. Armed with his double first, Lewis looked around for academic employment, applying for teaching positions in philosophy, but without any success. His tutor suggested he would improve his chances if he spent a further year studying for another degree, this time in English language and literature. In the 1920s, the Oxford English course was heavily focused on the language and literature of the Middle Ages, one of Lewis's great passions. Although he was rather sniffy about the people who studied English compared to those who read classics, Lewis took up this suggestion, and in 1923 he graduated with yet another first. After another round of failed job applications, Lewis was offered a temporary teaching position at UNIV, filling in for his philosophy tutor, who was spending the year teaching in the States. In 1925, Lewis successfully applied for the post of tutor in English at Magdalen. The financial security this position gave him enabled Lewis and Mrs Moore to purchase a house in Headington, called the Kilns, in 1930. And it was here that Lewis lived until his death in 1963. The house is open to visitors today and has been kept as it would have looked during Lewis's day although none of the furnishings or decoration are original, including the yellow nicotine stains on the ceiling. If we continue further down the high street, we pass the University Church of St Mary the Virgin, where Lewis gave his famous sermon, The Weight of Glory, in 1941. Pausing at the side entrance to the church in St Mary's Passage, we can see the doorway that has given rise to many stories about the origins of Narnia. Here we find two carved fawns, said to be the inspiration for Mr Tumnus, above a doorway with a carving of a face surrounded by foliage, taken to be that of a lion with a shaggy mane. Beside the door there is a Victorian lamp post. The story goes that one snowy night, Lewis came out of the church through this door and found himself confronted by a lamppost, a fawn and a lion. 
giving him all the ingredients of the first of the Narnian Chronicles, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. The problem with this attractive claim is that Lewis himself offered an alternative one. According to Lewis, the story began with pictures that he had been seeing in his head since his teens. One of a fawn in a snowy wood carrying parcels, another of a witch on a sleigh. It was in his forties that he decided it was finally time to see if he could write a story about them. And at the same time, he says, he found himself dreaming about lions. And so, as he puts it, Aslan bounded in. This reminds us that while Lewis was no doubt influenced by the Oxford in which he spent most of his adult life, his fictional writings are primarily works of imagination. But this hasn't stopped people trying to identify real-life locations and influences. There are rival lampposts laying claim to be the model for the one that shines in Lantern Waste, in Cambridge, London and Belfast. The wardrobe from the Lewis family home of Little Lee in the Belfast suburbs, built by Lewis's grandfather, now resides in a museum at Wheaton College outside Chicago. But its claim to be the inspiration behind Lucy's portal into Narnia is somewhat debatable. This wardrobe doesn't have a looking glass built into the door, which is specifically mentioned in the story. Returning to the High Street, we pass the Mitre Inn, which is where Lewis first met the poet T.S. Eliot, who endeared himself to Lewis by observing how much older he appeared in person leading to a rather frosty tea party. Arriving at the end of the high street, we turn right into Corn Market and then keep going north up St Giles as far as the famous Eagle and Child pub on our left. This pub, known to the Inklings as the Bird and Baby, was the location of their Tuesday lunchtime drinking sessions. The group was quite informal. There was no strict membership and no minutes or records were made of their discussions. As well as Lewis and Tolkien, it included other members of the English faculty like Lord David Cecil, friends and fellow writers like Owen Barfield and Charles Williams. Lewis's brother, Warney, who came to live with Lewis at the Kilns after retiring from the army in 1932, and Lewis's doctor, Robert Havard. The name Inklings was borrowed from that of an undergraduate reading group at UNIF that Lewis had attended. Tolkien described it as a pleasantly ingenious pun, suggesting people with vague or half-formed intonations and ideas plus those who dabble in ink. Tolkien's major contribution to the Inklings was, of course, the vast project to write a sequel to The Hobbit, what became The Lord of the Rings, finally published in three volumes between 1954 and 1955. Charles Williams, 
best known for his fantasy thrillers, read from his novel All Hallows' Eve. David Cecil offered updates from his biographical writings, while Warney Lewis read from his work on French history. This isn't the final stop on our journey. A few doors down St Giles we find number 42, now a dental practice. But in 1956, the registry office where Lewis and Joy Davidman were married. This was a marriage of convenience, intended to allow Joy to become a British citizen and remain in England with her two sons, and so avoid having to return to the States to an unhappy marriage. But shortly after their wedding, Joy discovered that she had terminal cancer. This sudden diagnosis prompted Lewis to recognise the depth of his feelings for her, leading him to propose a full Christian marriage, which was held at her hospital bed in 1957. Thanks to the cancer going into remission for a time, the couple were able to enjoy several years of marriage, visiting Ireland and Greece before she died in 1960. Lewis's relationship with Joy Davidman was one reason for a cooling in his friendship with Tolkien. Another was Lewis's devotion to Charles Williams, who joined the Inklings when staff of the Oxford University Press moved from London to Oxford during the war. Williams wrote to Lewis full of praise for his first scholarly work, The Allegory of Love, a study of medieval allegorical poetry, while Lewis was a great admirer of Williams's novel The Place of the Lion. Tolkien rather resented the way that Lewis brought Williams along to their meetings at the East Gate, and, as a committed philologist, one who studies the history of languages, he didn't share their more literary interests. In 1945, Williams was rushed into hospital for an emergency operation. Lewis called into the Radcliffe Infirmary, just a little further north up St Giles, to visit him on his way to a meeting of the Inklings at the Eagle and Child, only to discover that Williams had died. Lewis was shattered by the loss. The Inklings would never be the same again. Williams is buried in Oxford's Hollywell Cemetery, next to St Cross Church at the end of Longwall Street, along with another Inkling, Hugo Dyson. In 1954, Lewis was invited to apply for a new Chair of Medieval and Renaissance Literature at the University of Cambridge. He initially dismissed the idea, since he couldn't imagine uprooting his life and family at the Kilns and moving to Cambridge. It was only when Tolkien intervened, pointing out that it would be possible to commute between the two cities that Lewis was willing to be considered. He was unanimously elected to a position that he held until his retirement, prompted by ill health, in 1963. When asked which Cambridge College he would like to be associated with, Lewis chose Magdalen, 
since he didn't want to confuse the celestial civil service by switching his allegiance to a different saint. But despite spending those nine years at Cambridge, Lewis continues to be associated with Oxford today, as witnessed by the huge numbers of tourists who flock to the city in search of Lewis and his legacy.